I think that what's most impressive about Clubhouse is Clubhouse doesn't become the platform it is with the early version of folks like us that were on the platform. It wasn't the celebrities. The celebrities actually have very little impact. It's the influencers who influence the influencers who are really the, the movers of that platform and take it from $100 million valuation to $4 billion valuation. The app hit number one in Japan. The app is crushing it in the Middle East. It's massive in Australia. And I think watching how the founders have embraced the international growth with intentionality, I think is really important. It was very, very smart. And this platform doesn't hit a $4 billion valuation on the backs of a thousand privileged white venture capitalists in Sand Hill Road. We stand today. The Business Method the business with method. a shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring high-performing entrepreneurs and high-caliber people dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure businesses that can be ran anywhere in the world. And currently, we are interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business, affect income, results, economies, and cultures, especially post-COVID. Since we moved into a post-pandemic world, the landscape has changed drastically for most business owners. We're finding out what is working for the entrepreneurs out there that have positioned themselves well to make sure their businesses thrive, succeed, and continue to experience growth in this current economy. And now... Let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. Hey, gals and pals, listen up real quick because we have something exciting to share with you. First, for you high-performing entrepreneurs out there, we've taken the most powerful tips and tricks from over 400 episodes that our guests have shared on how to optimize their own personal performance, and we've made them into digestible micro-podcast episodes that are just two to eight minutes long. These high-performance episodes are being published on Monday and Friday each week and will be labeled as HP number 1234567891010 and so on. Those episodes are live now and they're designed for you to consume some quick, high-quality content when you only have a few minutes to spare. So be sure to subscribe to the Business Method podcast on your favorite app so you can get those delivered to you as soon as they are live. The next thing I wanted to share with you is about our private mastermind community for established entrepreneurs. If you have an established business that has good momentum and wanted to be involved in a higher level mastermind community that is curated specifically for entrepreneurs that are moving at the same speed as you with similar challenges, revenue, team size, and business niche, then we've got a group for you. Our private mastermind groups are facilitated by myself, yours truly, and my good friend Adam Anderson. Adam is a seasoned entrepreneur who's been involved in 20 plus startups over 20 years and recently had a multi-million dollar exit. I keep the members on track with their goals, productivity, and optimization, and Adam brings the vast business knowledge to the groups. Our purpose with this private community is to help you reach your business goals faster so you can remove yourself from your company and focus on bigger and better things. You can learn more about that private community and masterminds at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash masterminds. That's thebusinessmethod.com forward slash masterminds. And now let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. 
Have you heard of the newest audio-only social media platform, Clubhouse, that went viral towards the end of 2020 and early 2021? If you dwell around entrepreneur circles, it is almost guaranteed that you have. The app that was launched in its beta version in 2020 for only iPhone users had a massive growth boost that had every entrepreneur, influencer, thought leader, and marketer going crazy, myself included. Our guest today was one of the first users of Clubhouse to hit a million followers and now is sitting at 2.2 million followers as of April 2021. His name is James Andrews. James has been working at the intersection of tech and culture since the 90s. He held senior roles at record labels, a fashion brand, tech startups, and advertising agencies. He is a former label executive from the LA, New York scene, 90s hip-hop R&B golden era who worked at Columbia Records. He is currently the founder of Authenticated Ventures, a brand studio and investment advisory that leverages culture to accelerate opportunities and growth outcomes for their portfolio and partners. He is also the founder of the Authenticated, a membership community of 300 plus investors, founders, and creators. And James is a founding member of the Audio Collective, a hybrid audio creator community production house and ambassador group. Today, we're going to dive into James' past, his background, all the amazing things that he's done, and of course, chat with James about Clubhouse, the hottest new social media platform, and how one can maximize their business influence and network for entrepreneurial ventures. James, welcome to the show, man. How are you today? I'm doing really well. It's good to be here. Thank you, Chris. I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. You and I had a chat about six months ago, getting to know yeah. one another. Yeah. And uh, it took a little while to get you get you on the podcast because you got so many things you've got going on. Thank you so much for chiming in with us today. And let's make a good show and talk about all the amazing things you've done in your life. Great. Appreciate it. Looking forward. I, I, I'm really curious. Like We're, we're going to dive into some of the things you're doing uh, currently. But first, like I've got to talk to you about the nineties hip hop scene like that yeah. I'm sure was just so exciting for, and you were probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, I'm just going to assume your age now. So in the nineties, you were probably in your twenties. Is that right? That's 20. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so being in your twenties in the nineties hip hop scene, you had all the cool early rappers and hip hop guys and R and B I'm sure is very exciting. How did, how did you get involved in that? I went to, uh, I was going to UCLA and mm-hmm. My best friend's mother is Dionne Warwick. And so I got, you know, this early stage exposure to the life of celebrity world. Dionne Warwick, of course, has a niece named Whitney Houston. So spent a lot of time in that family learning about the record business and just became really passionate about wanting to work in the music business, but I didn't really know how to get in. And I thought you had to become an attorney. So I was working at an entertainment law firm and I got an internship at Columbia Records in, in 92 and ended up, when you're an intern, you do everything. So I was putting crisscross clothes on backwards. I remember and, those days. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone has that claim to fame. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I you know, worked with crisscross Jermaine Dupree and, and worked with sort of this early wave of, of artists and the way the music industry works, especially back then, it was there was no social media, so it was all about relationships and building, mm-hmm. you know, true authentic relationships. So while while being a UCLA student, I just kind of was off campus a lot, was in the kind of world of Hollywood and entertainment, and just found my way via working part time in a law firm, but but moonlighting, literally moonlighting, running through the leaving the law firm is pretending I was using the bathroom and going to intern. <laughs> 
I ended up getting an internship. And, when, and back then, a lot of it was calling college radio stations because hip hop was only played at college radio. So a oh, lot wow. of my early days were, were spent talking to college radio stations. And then I ultimately dropped out of my last year at UCLA and kind of went, went, to, went to the record labels. Nice, nice. What, what, I've got to ask, whatever happened to Criss Cross? Like, what are they doing today? Do you, do you know? Yeah, I'm still close with Jermaine Dupree. Unfortunately, uh, one of the Chris's passed away probably about three or four years ago. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would end up going to work for Jermaine Dupree's father okay. at Columbia Records and take a really big position at Sony. Uh-huh. So yeah, I remained very much in touch with Chris Cross and uh, actually worked on their last album. My role at Columbia Records was a marketer. So you end up becoming very close with the artist. And uh, yeah, great, great kids. It was a great group. Yeah. So, so nowadays you're, I mean, you've got all the, the ventures that you're running and you're investing, yeah. you've got investors, you've got a fund going on, but I met you through a mutual friend, Dave Williams, who's also been on the podcast yeah. and, and he was raving about the things that you were doing on clubhouse, which mm-hmm. I've, I've followed you for the past six months or so on clubhouse and have just seen what you've been doing. It's been very, very impressive. And, and for the listeners that don't know, cause clubhouse is still, a rough beta version, I guess, what people say, right? Yeah. And, and it's only launched to, to iPhone users. It's a social media app that's audio only, so you can chime in and listen to entrepreneurs and influencers like yourself. I listen to Naval Ravikant from time mm-hmm. to time on Clubhouse. Elon Musk chimes in there from time to time, Tim Ferriss. Yep. But also these smaller influencers in, in their niche. So if you run a, a community of females that like that are into shopping or into knitting or or males that are into men's growth or something like that or fashion you can create these little micro clubs and people can come in from all over the world chime in and listen to Mm -hmm. to you but but how did you get involved with clubhouse well in my role uh you know, so I, I advise a ton of startups and investors and family offices and because I've been playing in technology for a long time, I end up having this kind of role and culture of seeing technology for the first time, being able to bridge between technology and my, my network, which is several folks in the creative economy, whether it's artists, former artists, NFL players, former NBA players, we even have a princess in our network. So I end up playing this interesting role in culture as sort of a John the Baptist of technology where I'm often called upon to bring folks into the network. So I got a call from Andreessen Horowitz, who ended up becoming the lead investor in Clubhouse and in May to be an early user of the platform to bring some of my creative network to the, to the platform Mm -hmm. and kick the tires and spend some time on it. And so, yeah, it was not my first time around the rodeo kicking tires on a new platform. I was very early in Twitter. I was very early in Ustream and I'm sitting in a different position today, but I certainly was like, I definitely feel like this is something that I could bring my network to and got in in May and just started really, I mean, thinking about, my network, which I, I created off campus, off of Clubhouse, and how we could bring them into Clubhouse in, in a more authentic manner. Right. That makes sense. So a question on new platforms. Uh-huh. So you you were early on Ustream, early on Twitter, early on Clubhouse. I had a friend who saw, the I, th- I believe is the beta version of Instagram in San Francisco years ago and shunned it he was like ah this you know know, picture platform social media like that's gonna work right but then over the past 
seven or eight years, I would see people hop into a new platform, get really big and take momentum. Sometimes they would fizzle out, you know, those platforms and sometimes they would take hold. What are some things that you look for that you think, oh, like this is going to be a solid platform and you really think like it's going to it's going to go viral to the masses? You know, I think that's changed. And in many ways, I think being in the inside of Clubhouse and seeing the growth has made me even reimagine what that criteria looks like. It's a great question. I think that what's most impressive about Clubhouse is the iterative nature that the founders have taken. They're, they're, they're in the rooms listening. They're in the rooms building the plane while the plane is in the air. And I right. think that's re- really interesting as you think about product development to have the founders pivoting and taking feedback and kind of like literally using the product, listening to the user feedback, and then, and then, and then uh, putting that, that feedback into practice. So I think that question is answered for me in, in new ways today. One is, are the founders, do they really understand user growth? And do they understand culture? I think what's also been fascinating about Clubhouse is Clubhouse doesn't become the platform it is with the early version of of folks like us that were on the platform. I mean, there was certainly a bunch of business leaders and venture capitalists, but that's not what actually drove the, the, what I call the, the, those aren't the force multipliers of the platform. The force multipliers are many folks who have traditionally been shunned from early platforms, females, African-Americans, black and brown folks. That's really the engine that drove, it wasn't the celebrities. The celebrities actually have very little impact. Uh, it's it's the influencers who influence the influencers who mm. are really the, the movers of that platform and take it from a hundred million dollar valuation to four million four billion dollar valuation. So uh, to me, I'm I'm watching how do founders view the creative economy? How do they view how do they view global markets? I think what's been really interesting is the growth of the platform in places I've I've spent a lot of time in. So Brazil and um, Germany and the Middle East, you know, are all places in which I think have tremendous opportunities. And so the app hit number one in Japan, the app is crushing it in the Middle East. It's 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 massive in Australia. And I think watching how the founders have embraced the international growth with intentionality, I think is really important. And then I'd say that the last piece, which is the newest piece, I think as an investor is how founders think about capitalizing their, their business, how, you know, how they think about their cap table and what it looks like, who's on the cap table. It's, there's a lot of capital in the market. So it's actually really fairly simple if you're a well-decorated Silicon Valley, Sand Hill Road soldier to walk up and down Sand Hill Road and grab five, 10, $20 million, right? Like right. It's, 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 there's more capital than there are. There's a ton of capital in the market, especially the greatest transference of wealth we've seen from generation to the next generation. So for me, what's most impressive these days is like how founders think about the distribution of equity across that. Is it full of just the same old, same old? Or have they really thought about who, who, who represents that cap table and how that cap table is congruent with the users and the executive team. So a lot of my work, I would say in the last year in answering that question has been sort of thinking about cap table congruency and thinking about like how that's important in the lifeblood of, 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 a, of a company, the, almost the LTV as well. And I think as we look at things like tokens, the next 
Clubhouse will probably be built on a less old school framework and more of a tokenized model. And that'll be a really interesting moment when we start to build in more, more fairness and equity across, across the uh, cap table. And for the listeners, can you define what uh, tokenized model is exactly? Yeah, so it's it's the blockchain. It's it's mm-hmm. the ability to leverage a, the blockchain and, and a public ledger and, and the ability to leverage a token. We're hearing a lot about NFTs, which is getting a lot of the attention in, in this space. And I think we're in a very, you're hearing a lot about it. It's very kind of high, it's art, it's sort of these things, but that'll clear out right. and we'll start to see tokenization of other things right like platforms and we'll we'll see tokens used in other ways and i just think the future of 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 capitalizing companies is actually in these non-traditional ways in the same way Robinhood has disrupted the stock market i think the venture world is going to go through a really interesting uh moment both with tokens and and with recent uh policy changes in in reg c which is equity crowdfunding the limits have been raised from 1 million to 5 million on unaccredited investors. And so I think that opens up the opportunity to get everyday average Americans, just speaking American voice right now, everyday average Americans, the opportunity to participate in the growth of a company. And that's when it's game on. That's when we're going to start to see average Americans who have been shut out of the, of the opportunity to invest because they're not accredited investors, which I think that those rules need to, need to change a little bit. I think that we're going to see the opportunity for companies to um, actually value their customers and say, hey, you know what? You've been a loyal customer. You've been a loyal fan. You've been a loyal friend of mine. And, and, and for that reason, I want to raise money from several folks who have just been loyalists versus a bunch of people who've gotten really rich on Sand Hill Road. I think it's a, it's a, there's a there's a rise of the commons happening right now. And I think we saw a little bit of that in GameStop. And I think we're going to see more of that in the way companies are capitalized. Can, can Clubhouse or do you see Clubhouse creating that, like implementing that into their platform as it is now, like bringing in the ability to exchange cryptocurrency or have the members be some sort of investors in the platform? Is this is this a possibility for for what it looks like? Yeah, I don't. I don't know all the the the, the economics and their cap table. I would imagine at a four billion dollar valuation, it's a little late in the game for them um, yeah. to be able to do that. But I think that they, to the degree that they reward their creators and treat them not as users but as creators and producers, I think even that we saw that. In you know, I was in a group in a, in a collective of folks that later became the audio collective, but it started off as a collective that spent a lot of time with the founders. And there seems to be a real olive branch that 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 the founders have said, you know what, these creators have been loyal. They've been putting hours in and producing content. We want to reward them and 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 allow them to to have more access and and to do more things. And so mm-hmm. remains to be seen. But I but I think I think Paul and Rohan got the message. And I think that's what's most important. What I do love about them as founders is they listen. They listen really, really well. They've had to. We've been through, you know, this platform, I think about it, I've been on since May. So you can imagine mm-hmm. May through November, right? So I came on right in the middle of George Floyd. So it was it was an intense moment, but it gave me a lot of power 
to to hold space for conversations that are very difficult in the United States of America in May. Then we moved into the election, right? Mm-hmm. So then it was like even more velocity of conversations. And so I think what's really been positive about uh, the founders is they've lived through that whole moment where right. it was really tense, right? And I think in, in the moments of George Floyd, it was bigger than just police brutality. It was sort of a bigger conversation around African-Americans and opportunities in business. And I think these kinds of conversations have put Paul and Rohan in a position where they've had to become more effective, better listeners as leaders, and to to sort of reimagine how they probably thought about this. I don't think that they imagined that there would be this large influx of of creatives, many of whom are black and brown, who are creating the type of impact. Now, I know that because I've been working in culture for 25 years. I've been black for 51. I, I certainly knew what would happen when you bring those kinds of force multipliers. But I think for Paul and Rohan, it's been like, wow, this is amazing. You know, And I think one of the reasons that Andreessen Horowitz is a great investor is Ben Horowitz definitely understands that. He surrounds himself around folks in the culture, whether it's MC Hammer or Fab Five Freddy or Nas. You know, those are all folks who are also on the cap table for Clubhouse and were able to get into the, to the I would imagine they're on the cap table, by the way. They were able to get in those deals if they were through through the through through Ben Horowitz, I think, who is a thoughtful investor and understands the power of culture. Yeah. Do you so so you've mentioned this a couple of times, James, the virility, but also the, the usage of black and brown folks on, on yeah. Clubhouse. Do you think it's it's taken off so much for those those cultures and those those niches of people because of not getting the play or the ability to to communicate the way that they would want to on other platforms or what's your thoughts behind that? I'm I'm curious because I've noticed that too when I hopped on to Clubhouse I was like wow there's something really going on here for for these folks but I didn't I didn't really understand what was happening but what are your thoughts behind it? Well, because I was part of bringing a lot of interesting folks on, that my mm-hmm. thoughts are that is there was an intentionality behind making sure that black and brown creators who have traditionally been don't really get the beta, the the test flight mm-hmm. invites, right? Uh, um, however, black culture in this country drives mainstream global culture, so it's yeah. it's a it's a good thing to do. It's not just like a, a charity. It's like the yeah. the what drives culture in this in in globally is the contributions of black and brown creators so i think what's interesting is there would be no vine if it wasn't for for instance the contributions of of black and brown creators i lived in atlanta for 15 years and got to see many uh i used to call atlanta the the home of the b and the c star right it was like Mm -hmm. there's famous people but there's also like internet famous people and i watched i watched vine take off on the backs of young black talent and i think this go around for for clubhouse because of the early access because of the folks who folks like myself who were influencing other influencers um there was certainly like a momentum that that was was created and i think it is yeah i think that it it was a combination of things i think it's black people in general are going to view probably, you know, they're going to be able to take something that has no instruction manual and create a use case for it. I think that the timing of this, of of what was happening in terms of the pandemic and, and the ability to to give voice, I think was also not lost. The ability that everybody was there at one time. And and it it also gave an opportunity for, uh, this is what was really special is just rooms where black folks and white folks were coming together in worlds that would, would have never come together in real life. And I think it made for richer, deeper conversations when you can involve 
all contributions on, on subjects like healthcare, on subjects like finance, on subjects like Wall Street, subjects like obviously social justice in this country. When you can be in a room where there's a diverse set of people, the world's just a better place. I mean, it's mm-hmm. essentially part of my business model. I, I'm, I'm both Ashkenazi Jew and Caribbean, right? I'm both slavery and Holocaust. So I live in the skin of, of one who, who sits at the table of diversity. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a much better value proposition for companies if you actually can think about diversity with intentionality. And so I think I hats off to Clubhouse for having a little bit of, of foresight to go, oh, this I shouldn't just give these test flight invites to my like Silicon Valley white dude friends. We should probably think about how to distribute these test flight invites to a broader set of people, whether that was them or Andreessen Horowitz, because I didn't get a call from Paul and Rohan directly. I got a call from Andreessen. Uh-huh. Whoever's decision that was, it was very, very smart. And this platform doesn't hit a $1 billion to $4 billion valuation on the backs of like a thousand like privileged white venture capitalists in Sand Hill Road. Right, right. How many users are on Clubhouse now? Do you know? 10, 10 million. 10 million. Okay. I, I, so I don't know the number. So there, from what I heard, there's roughly 10 million. Okay. But that's pre, pre-Android, though. I mean, this is all. Yes. I mean, it's still, yeah, and yeah. still there's so many people that don't even know about Clubhouse, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, do you see it going, is it is it getting more popular overseas as opposed to in the United States now? Because it seems like there's just so many international groups. I see an Italian group, I see a Brazilian group, I see all these different groups. I'm just curious, do you think, do you think it's taking hold more overseas than in the U.S.? Yeah, certainly. My growth has been very intentionally driven by international markets because I chose. So uh-huh. we produce content. I produce content from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. on purpose because uh-huh. I'm catching the the good morning London crowd. I'm catching the good morning, you know, Middle East crowd. And so I've been very intentional about you know, our net. My network is, is really global. And uh-huh. so I was very intentional about that. But yeah, I, I to answer your question, the app has hit number one in several markets internationally. And I only see that becoming even stronger as you onboard Android. You know, I ran a uh, digital practice inside of an agency called Ketchum many, many years ago in the beginning of social media. And Brazil as a market has always been early, always like voracious appetite, mm-hmm. always, you know, spending a lot of time on platforms. I used to use this platform called Orkut, which was big in Brazil and India. And I think that it's, it's pretty natural for Brazilians to be on there. And then as you begin to have moderate, I think what drives Clubhouse is just having quality moderators. So I mm-hmm. think the important thing is to have quality Italian, Brazilian, German moderators who can drive more growth. But yeah, I, I only see that getting bigger. There's been some places like the Middle East. I mean, you have government officials on there. We hosted um, a show around Kuwait and we had uh, government officials and we had a royal family and so yeah I, I I'm banking on the fact that the international growth is going to continue so yeah I think so too uh, when's the when's their estimation when Android it'll will pick up Clubhouse I think by the end of May is, is when we see okay that's coming Android. up soon for the average person out there that is just new to Clubhouse and maybe they want to start their own club and build their own network or they have a small network themselves or they're an mm-hmm. influencer amongst other micro influencers like you mentioned earlier, what are some tips you could give to those people on how to grow their network, appropriate ways to use Clubhouse to be a moderator, to run their own club, to run their own groups? What are, what are some thoughts? Because you've probably, I mean, you've seen it all at this point, right? That's been on Clubhouse. I've been in clubs where the moderators aren't that good. Uh, some people want to just hear themselves talk. There's yeah. way, maybe there's way too many moderators and they're all fighting for a voice. 
you know, and then the people asking questions have a really hard time coming in and just getting a question asked. What are some like go-to tips you would recommend for, for the people out there? I think the first one is a pretty simple one for me. It's one I use myself just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, <laughs> um, I don't open up rooms just because I can't, because I have 2.2 million followers and I like, it, 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 it is certainly my, my intention to not clog up the internet with just opening a room. So I think anybody who's out there listening, it's like, there's a, there's a book by a woman named Priya Parker. It's called the art of gathering. I spent a lot of time in the pandemic, even before I joined clubhouse, I would say March to May, a gathering people in zoom like experiences. I used to, I was doing Jeffersonian dinners three mm-hmm. times a week in uh, zoom gathering 10 to 12 and 15 people and really thinking about like, what's your intent. What I love about Priya Parker's work is, have an intention for why you're bringing people together. If it's just to hear yourself talk, it's probably not going to be sustainable. But if you have an intention, I mean, I, I used to do rooms that were called give, get rooms where it'd be like, Hey, what can you give? What do you want to get? You know? So there's real intention. There's real, there's real substance in our community. It's not just hosting things. I think we, we establish ourselves by establishing our intention first and foremost. I would say the second thing that, that I think we do pretty well is we have stuff going on off of Clubhouse. So it, everything isn't happening on Clubhouse. The, Clubhouse to me is the outer rings of the concentric circle. Okay. And as you get closer to, to the Tootsie Pop, that's where the value is. Okay. But, the, but, but I certainly look at Clubhouse as like a, 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 an opportunity to build audience. But I don't build community in Clubhouse. I build audience. I do, I do use the closed room feature to do community. So there's a difference between a follower and a member of a club. And uh-huh. I do utilize the members of, of authenticated differently than I, than when I just open it up for everybody. Cause okay. for me, the metrics aren't, aren't my goal. I mean, the metrics are great. It's great for me to DJ. I, I've been DJing a lot these days. It's great to be able to DJ in front of 2000, 3000, 15,000, 20,000. I mean, I've had like, I've had rooms where 20,000 people come through, but we, we certainly have had, like we've maxed out the number of, of, of users on the platform. I feel like, and that's cool, but that doesn't really build my, my, my ultimate goal, which is to build a real true community of folks. Right. And I think it's, I think it's for me, having an off-campus strategy is everything. So I have a Substack newsletter. I have, I use community.com, which is a text messaging app. And uh, so we're communicating using people that text me at 415-843-8100. We'll be able to be in, in a sort of back channel. So I really think about the back channel a lot. And then the other thing is when we do produce programming, we're producing it like a show. And it's like, I'm not on there for four and five hours. I think there's diminishing returns after a certain point of being on there that long. So we're very much like we're on, we're off. And now I take that back. I do DJ for five hours. So (laughs) when I DJ, (laughs) I I have no off button, unfortunately. But But, when um, you're you're DJing, you're you're playing music, right? I'm playing music. Yeah, you hosting a clubhouse. Yeah. 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 I try to like, I try to respect people's time. I try to, you know, we we do our morning show. It's a two hour show. It's it's really meant to like bring people up and, and hear their story. And I think the last piece is just what we're watching in clubhouse is the dawning of a new, of what I call job titles that don't exist yet. And the idea of being a, a moderator, different than a podcast host and what you do, mm-hmm. is that I'm I'm crafting the questions, but I'm also looking in the audience and seeing who's in the audience and then bringing people up. I generally don't fill my stage with a ton of people. That's not my style. I don't have like 
20 people on the stage because I think it's like too too many people hogging the mic yeah. uh, and no one really gets a chance to talk. So I, 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 I keep clean stages. And for those who are not in Clubhouse yet listening to this, this will probably make more sense when you actually join Clubhouse. But there's basically a stage where there's speakers and then there's below that there, there are people who are listening to the speakers and mm-hmm. essentially people raise their hand and become part of the what I, what I refer to as the DJ booth. Like while I'm DJing, there's people around me and we're throwing questions to people. So, and, and being able to to mute and boot bad bad actors because there are, it's the internet. There's a ton of people that mm-hmm. want to come on and disrupt. So I'm really quick. I boot, boot. I, I give them a warning before they even come on stage that I will punch them in the face and get them kicked <laughs> off the platform. I don't really mean that. But I do know the founders. And I, I, I put the I put a little bit of fear so that people act right when they come up and respect people's time. Yeah. We're also doing we're doing shows about sex and pleasure and things that are touchy topics. So I think the ability to create a trusted environment where my network, some of them are celebrities, some of them are maybe in, in the sex and pleasure stuff, women or, or men who have been through trauma. So I want to make sure that I, I, I keep a space where like someone's not going to say something totally out of left field. And I, and I pretty much in those touchy areas, I kind of know everybody. They've been vetted, everyone who's on the stage. And so, mm-hmm. so those kinds of like things I think are the skill sets of the new moderator and what I think is actually the dawning of a new social audio host, if you would, who's like watching the door and asking the questions at the same time. Yeah. Is it, is it, so how many, so a couple of things, when you have your moderators or speakers, generally how many people are you having? Is it just you most of the time or is it you and a couple of, couple other people that are up there as the main speakers or what do you? Yeah, it's not just me. It's, 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 I do do a monologue sometimes. It could be me and four people. I mean, it, it's, I mean, there's, it doesn't, I don't have a set number. I just like to know who's on the stage and have a good sense of who's on the stage. I, I generally am not bringing like kind of complete strangers, okay. but that's the beauty of having a club is when you have a club, you can actually see who from your club is in the house mm-hmm. and so like, or who's connected to the speakers. So it's a little, I think, the, I think the clubhouse folks have done a great job of, of making it easier for us as moderators. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I do want to discover new people so sometimes i'm just like in someone's room listening to people and i'm collecting them i'm like oh that person's really cool i like their voice that's great oh i like them and i may not necessarily follow them but i'm I'm tracking them and i'm identifying voices like oh that person would be really great in in our in our room we should figure out a way to get them in our room and then is there any rhyme and reason to the topics that you're talking about nowadays james or is it just like whatever's interesting to you at the moment you'll You'll create a club for or create a, an event for or you'll go in and, and speak as a guest speaker? No, I, I, it is a rhyme and a reason. You know, okay. so we, we've probably I advise probably, I don't know, five to ten companies at a time as an equity holding advisor sitting on the cap table, five or ten startups. I've worked with a lot of brands and then now we're starting to make direct investments from our fund. And so they're generally topics that are connected to the founders that I'm connected to, things I care about in the world, certainly. The morning show I do is like a sort of me as Jimmy Fallon. So it's sort of two people a week who I maybe had calls with. And I'm like, oh, you're amazing. You should be on my morning show. And so it doesn't really, it's more about the person and and their journey and not necessarily the topic uh, on that one. And I would say that the show that we do around sex and pleasure is because I'm an advisor to a company called Kama, which is in the sexual wellness space. And I think it's, it's, she raised 3.2 million in a very difficult category to raise capital in. And I think that sex is something that should be 
talked about in open and it's sort of a taboo subject that we don't spend enough time talking about. We talk about it's very intellectual. It's very scientific. It's 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 not just technique. Right. We're talking right. about really humanity and how humans relate to each other. And I think that's important. Things I really choose to spend my time on are things I think are going to move the culture forward. And mm -hmm. so I've already sort of plotted my summer of 2022, which I think is going to be the roaring 20s meets the Harlem Renaissance meets the summer of love of 69. And so as a hypothesis on where I see the world, that generally colors the kinds of conversations that I want to have in my room or sort of me being a futurist and looking into the crystal ball and going, what are the, what are the things that, hu that, that humanity and culture are going to be discussing in the summer of 2022, right? Okay. And, like, and I think that as we move out of this pandemic, there's going to be a lot of creative economy conversations. There's going to be a lot of conversations about how we capitalize businesses. And there's going to be a lot of sex. And I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> so it's like every decade we just talk more about sex and <laughs> right? Yeah. Or we just become more open about it. I you think know? the more open you become, the, the, the less, especially for men, the less creepier we get, right? With with with, mm -hmm. we've seen an we've seen an, an era of, of of bad boy behavior, right? Just really, and I think the more we're open about sex, the more we talk to kids at an earlier age about sex, we create less perversion and less yeah. perverts and i think it's really i think it's actually one of the things i've learned in doing the sunday show for six months which we've been doing a show on sex for six months is the open dialogue around sex for men and women mm -hmm. creates i think a safer place for for women and for men mm -hmm. to to engage right now it's done in the even though we think about sex all the time probably in doing this interview you probably thought about sex a couple times but literally not with me per se i'm not, yeah, not centering myself <laughs> but, but uh but the, but the point is, is that we think about it all the time yeah and yet we don't talk about it openly as a society so i've learned a ton about just the importance of, of talking about it openly yes absolutely I actually read a statistic and i can't verify this that the, the countries with the most sexual suppression are also the countries that download the most porn I can uh, yeah yeah and yeah. and it makes a lot of sense because suppressing yeah. all that energy is not a great thing um if people want to listen to that 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 morning show where's the best where, where, where do they go to find that well you can certainly follow me on authenticated which is in clubhouse it's it's called authenticated okay. so following me gets me there but the but the best way is to text me 415-843-8100 and just text clubhouse to 415-843-8100 and i pretty much notify all of my clubhouse followers in text message hey this is what this week's going to be about this is the episode and so forth this we're, we're moving into a series around mental health for Mental nice. Health Awareness Month in May, and I'm partnering with Kenneth Cole. So Kenneth and I are doing an entire month of conversations in Clubhouse about mental health. It's something that I care deeply about as a caretaker, someone with mental health challenges. And so we're supporting Kenneth Cole and some other great organizations around uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, which is May. Amazing, amazing. And then your personal handle on Clubhouse is at Key Influencer. Is that correct? My personal handle across the interwebs is Key, is Influencer. Key Influencer. Yeah, yeah I, I, I nagged that. I snagged that. Uh, snagged that a long that was time a, ago. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> so your, and I don't think the is the business and investments that you have and the following you have, you don't necessarily need. Uh, you talked about this, but you don't necessarily need a funnel or a flow for your social media going to well you you now have the the text app that you're you're doing or text messaging then going and kind of moving people into your community but if you 
what it, what does that kind of look like for you? You're like, we all have an intention for mm-hmm. having a personal brand, right? So for me, it's like, well, we have the podcast, the mm-hmm. podcast and events that I go speak at, bring mm-hmm. people to our, our events and services, and then bring people through our mastermind community and bring mm-hmm. people through either coaching or courses or our live events or mm-hmm. some of the things that we do. So, so what's that look like mm-hmm. for you? Just curious. So people can get some ideas for their own business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, we definitely have a funnel on the flow. It's just, uh, okay. yeah. So, so for me, uh, we make money in three distinct areas. One is advisory. So I've been a senior marketing executive. I've been owned an advertising agency, play in tech. And so we certainly make money advising venture capital firms, startup founders, and brands. Those are kind of the three basic uh, areas. And so there's certainly like a flow of inbound. I mean, especially now that I hit 2.2 million followers, it's like there's a massive, I just became friends with the CEO of Logitech because he hit me on LinkedIn and and building a, a really great relationship with the Logitech family because of because of the inbound. So there's certainly um, that. The second place in which we make money is in content creation. Mm-hmm. And so that is about finding creative voices, folks who are in the creator economy. And so we're looking for interesting shows or personalities that we can back and build IP around. And so that's that's the second place. And the third, which is what makes a great investor is having deal flow. So being able to get, get great deals, great opportunities in the market. And we're a small fund. We're in, in no way going to ever be the biggest check on the cap table. But we need to be, get, you know, as a small fund, we need to get on the best deals. And so most of those deals are often um, taken up by some of the biggest investors and the, the fancy investors. We're a new kid on the block with zero financial investing background, trying to compete with lots of other investors, um, small and big. And our leverage is that we understand marketing and how to build a brand. My partner owns an advertising agency, $50 million in revenue, 70 employees, big, big clients. So we, 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 we believe we're different in that most VCs are writing checks. We're like infusing our expertise, our celebrity relationships, our influential relationships, and we're bringing that to the cap table. So we're, we, it's important. Yeah, I think funnel for us is, is, is everything. We have a registration process. So I have a software engineer mm-hmm. that designed a pretty interesting registration process. So if you if you text me, you know, you actually get an auto, automatic reply back and it's a it's a reg form and then we're taking the data and we're doing better matchmaking because we go, "Oh, you went to University of Arizona. Somebody in our network went to University of Arizona or you're into ag tech. This person's in ag tech and we're using it for better matchmaking." Which essentially is what I've been doing in 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 human form for my you know last 10 years. I'm, I'm a connector. I'm always connecting people. But to be able to use software to go, okay, who do I want to connect? And are you a paid member of our mm-hmm. community or are you just on the fringes? The way I look at it is sort of software and hardware. So all the content I'm producing, all the things I'm doing in Clubhouse, that's the software of my business. The hardware of the business is my advisory practice, my fund, and, and the IP we own in content. But the stuff you see me doing, hey, the sex show with the DJing, all that stuff, it's fun. I love it. But it's, 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 it's in the same way Soho House has a software and hardware there, right? Their software is membership community, expensive hamburgers, overpriced matcha tea. But their mm-hmm. hardware of their business is real estate holdings from Barcelona to Miami to New York. And so we see our, our business very much the same way. Behind me is a marketplace of buyer and seller. 
And yeah. I'm constantly, cause that's all really our, that's all anything is, whether you're, you're always selling in zero to one, Peter Thiel talks about this idea of everything is sales. It's, it's a set of either simple or complex sales deals, but it's all sales at the end of the day. So yeah, we only, my network is my net worth and I only exist on the funnels that come. We just are qualifying them at various different levels and, and using similar to what you're doing. So we, we did four summits last year. So we do virtual summits, but those summits in 2016 or 2014 to 16 were um, traveling series that we built called Culture and Code, where we okay. took investors and founders and creatives to Detroit, and Miami and DC and Stockholm and people paid, brands paid us to actually build these experiences in cities. And so yeah, we have IP that, that is about our network and it's about a traveling group of people. And then we have a membership community and when we hit 2 million followers in our membership community is, is, is $999 a year, we dropped the price because I wanted to open it up to more people uh -huh. um, who maybe couldn't afford the, the, the $1,000 a year. But yet I still want to see who they are because they, they're the next emerging founder. They're the next emerging investor. They're right. the next emerging executive. And so we wanted to build a funnel big enough so that we could actually scrape and figure out who's who. So you kind of work your way, your way closer to me, to the center of the Tootsie. I'm like Willy Wonka. And then you, <laughs> you go through all these, your Mike TV and then you're, you're uh -huh. all these how many bites does it take to get exactly. to the center of the Tootsie Pop? Where can people find the community if they want to learn more about the community that you guys have? You can text me, really, 415. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's uh, you know. Say the number again. You got a re repetition, four, Matt. 415-843-8100. There we go. Um, and if you, if you text join, you get an automatic link to the to the community. And we certainly have, have been taking in new members. It's been great. It's been it's been really cool. We're, we live in Mighty Networks, so that's the platform that we centered our community in. Mm -hmm. But we've been dabbling in things like Topia, which we're big fans of. It's a sort of like uh, it's it's like a like a clubhouse, but like more spatial design. Mm -hmm. So you can cruise around this little world. Uh, it's really really cool. So we are we are always beta. We're like Tom Hanks in the movie Big. We're always sort of playing with like new structures of community. And as soon as we go back into into post-pandemic life, which we are calling hybrid one and hybrid two. In mm -hmm. hybrid one, we're going to bring folks together in real life. We have a new relationship with Soho House to start producing these clubhouse-like experiences in real life in, in at Soho House Malibu in West Hollywood nice. downtown. So we're really I'm already I'm already on to summer 2022 and thinking about those partnerships that we can start to create to bring these things from Clubhouse, which has been awesome, uh -huh. into into real life experiences. We're talking to a hotel partner right now. My show at night is called Room Service. Uh, started because I was missing a good room service and I'm a guy who likes a swanky fancy hotel. And so we built a show called Room Service. And so we're already having conversations with hotel partners and so we see this as the extensions of our community, the extensions of our brand, the extensions mm -hmm. of, of our experience business and excited about what's to come. Um, you mentioned spinning, working, having the software side of your business and the hardware side of the business, meaning the yeah. outer, outer parts of your business and then the core of it. How, how, and as a creator and a podcaster myself, I'm constantly challenged with like creation time mm -hmm. versus like most important task or money generating activity mm -hmm. time, right? How, how do you specifically balance that? Because you're a creator, you, you seems mm -hmm. like you have been your entire life and it's a lot like I'm, I'm constantly torn. You, we see so many creative, uh, artistic type of entrepreneurs out there that are that are broke because they're so passionate about the creation, creation, creation. How, how do you manage that specifically, James? 
Yeah, I gave this year over to a concept that I call Kairos. The Greeks used to measure time two ways. One is Kronos, which is where we get the word chronology. Right. And Kairos is a spiritual time. It's a spiritual moment, it's a season. And uh, this year I did something really interesting is I, I, I used to be really stressed by January 15th because I want to have my to-do list. I actually spent the first six weeks in deep surrender. And this might be countercultural to most people, but it, it is a faith that I have coming into this year that everything was just going to be okay. And, I, and I, I truly live in abundance. I live in an abundance mindset. And I didn't really understand what that really meant until I had to really live it out. To live in abundance mindset means you have to actually really live every day <laughs> yes. in this abundance and, and, and be abundance in everything. It's not yeah. just like money. So I live in, I, first of all, I gave myself over to abundance and I gave myself over to this concept of Kairos, which meant that I wasn't looking at the clock the same way. I actually made February 15th my January 1st and, and I gave myself permission in the first six weeks mm-hmm. to really kind of figure out what this year was going to be, a, was going to be about that led to a series of conversations actually on, Kyro, on, on, on clubhouse about the concept of Kairos okay. and the idea of living chirotically. And if you think about it, kids, kids actually are the ones who live most chirotically. They don't care about your bedtime. They're going to play with what they want to play with. So I actually gave my, my, I gave my, myself permission to play. And so actually today, Monday, this is the only thing I've done today from a work perspective. And I hardly call this work. This has been super fun with you, Chris. But I but I basically gave myself over to Mondays, spending the majority of my time just playing. And just like, and playing for me could be walking on the beach or DJing, but I really had to give myself a release. And I, I can't begin to tell you, Chris, like it literally this year has been a game changer when I stop clenching and white knuckling this thing and my knuckles don't get that white, but mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to be able to like not live in fear mm-hmm. and, and to live in this abundance mindset. And I had to really practice what that meant on an everyday level. So I've, I've committed to, 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 to Kairos and chirotic behavior. And the other thing is I'm sort of, my network does like, we talk about venture capital and sex and all this, but we also talk about the kind of know thyself things. Mm -hmm. So my network did a deep study on Kairos. We're now doing a deep study on the relationship between spirituality and money. Mm-hmm. And there's a book called The Soul of Money that, that we read and a few of us have read and really the relationship. And it's great. In my network, I have trust fund people who never really have to work ever in their life. Now, people who didn't grow up like that at all. Right. And um, there's commonalities behind how we were raised and how we view money. And I, I'm, I'm really working hard to to get rid of those those blockages, how my mother talked about money, how uh, we viewed money. Think, and I, and I, I didn't recognize this till late in life. I mean, when I was in the music business, I made it really i made a lot of money at mm-hmm. an early age and it was just like it just en- enabled me to kind of like do you know i was always like i don't have to go get a real job i can work in the music business and i worked my ass off and it was amazing but i didn't want to go work in one of those like stuffy jobs that my other college friends work in i wanted right. to do what i wanted to do and i thought that money gave me the ability for freedom i also thought money gave me the ability as a parent to be able to make decisions right to be able to go on a trip to be able to go on a trip with my kids and when i and i think changing the relationship that we have to money is a freedom that I'm just now experiencing at 51 years old, mm-hmm. or soon to be 51 years old. And looking at the spiritual connotation of money, and there's several works out there that talk about the spiritual relationship to money, I think has been a game changer. So those two things alone this year have given me this freedom of giving myself permission 
to actually take a couple of hours off. And because I worked in the music too, I think like a songwriter. I think like a rapper. I think like, a, and, I've, and I've spent enough time in studios to know like when you have writer's block, when you have these things, the best thing to do is just go out and experience life. You know what I mean? Go out and hang out. Go out and see people. Don't yeah. just sit in a studio. And yeah. so I try to like, and it's been difficult in the pandemic and living in Los Angeles, but at least like seeing life for me could be like, it could be going on Clubhouse and just having a shooting the shit, having a conversation about whatever. And so I've, I've given myself permission for like playground time. Yeah. And I think that's really helped me as a creative even get more creative. Yes, yes. I love that, man. I, I, I was going to ask you something. I just lost it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, oh, so have you read the book, The Surrender Experiment? Have you ever no. heard of it? No. Um, it's written, I'm reading it right now. And the reason why I ask is it's written by Michael Singer is a guy. Oh uh, yeah, sure. I know he is. Yeah. Yes. He, he oh. sold a software company for a hundred million. Yeah. And he talks about actually the exact same thing that you're doing. Everything that he's really created in his life, the vast majority yeah. of important things has come from surrendering when life brings you something, life brings you lemons, make lemonade sort of thing. Yeah. But he did it through like a deep meditation process and he built uh, the this medical software company up to no, not a hundred million, excuse me, it was a billion dollars. Yeah. Sold it, sold it for a billion bucks. And, uh, and now he's just a consultant investor sort of thing, but, and spiritual guru, I guess you could say as well. Funny is I'm reading his first book right now. The untethered soul. Is that it? Yeah. Or which uh -huh. one? Yes. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's deep. It's deep. Yes. It's good. Yeah. So yeah. I'll have to read that one next. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm on the opposite trajectory. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to read the other one next. Right. So, so very cool. Yes. And, and it, it's so good because it really, I've been practicing this as, as well. I just got back from a, a two week uh, trip to Mexico and we get so tense to like get shit done, right. To work yeah. on, to, to get our to-do list done and to be on time totally. and to, to, to go, go, go and the hustle and the, and uh, the grind. Right. And, and I just, when I was down in Mexico, I was just like, you know what, whatever life brings me, I'm just going to enjoy it. And I just had one of the best vacations of my life, man. It was just so nice. Yeah. Uh, everything that I really wanted to happen without like trying to really put a hustle into it. Like everything just kind of fell in place and everything yeah. happened. And it was just such an incredible experience. And it came from like, reading this book and just mm. and I practice this on and off but it's so easy to get back in especially with our culture in, in the United States and our lifestyles as entrepreneurs it's so easy to get back into the hustle and grind of things right the nine to five or even not even a nine to five the 7 a.m. to to 10 p.m. grind and go 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 until we burn ourselves out and crash out so yeah I think surrender is un underrated and I had mm -hmm. to deal with a lot of life things last year with family members going through some some real or, and I had to really go okay, I can't really change the situation for them. Yeah. All I can do is just surrender to, to what's going on. I think, yeah, surrender comes at so many points in life. And it's, man, it's my theme song for 2021. Yeah. Amen, man. Amen. James, I think we're going to wrap everything up there. Right. But before we tie things off, is there any last few words you want to say to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, to the listeners out there, entrepreneurship is a lonely planet, but I think it <laughs> works when you build a community and when you build your when you build community as a part of your stack and i think those things are important both from a from a spiritual standpoint it's certainly thinking about community as part of the stack but as we're seeing in these new economies that are being created and tokenization of economies community is also a good thing to have for your soul and it's a great thing to have for your business and so i think that it would be great for more people to kind of um, think before they build a business and prioritize community from day one 
and think about what that means. It's no longer social media. I think that's one of the big things from from just you know even looking at Clubhouse. It's not just about followers, but you know how do you go behind beyond followers and audience into into community? And I think community is greater than followers, and we're starting to really see that now in this new economy. So yeah, hats off to everybody out there who's trying to build their own business or maybe stuck in a cubicle and thinking about building a business. I think this is the greatest days of your life as well as the scariest days of your life. And mm-hmm. so go ahead and surrender and live chirotically. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. If the listeners want to reach out, learn more about what you've got going on, you can drop that phone number once again or whatever <laughs> other link you want to, James. <laughs> no, mine, mine's easy. I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. I've worked really hard for my SEO, I guess. But yeah, certainly 415-843-8100 is, is one way to get, get at us. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Key Influencer. I'm on Instagram at Key Influencer. And uh, the authenticated is is all over the internet as well. So I'm pretty easy to find. If you can't find me, you're not working hard enough. Nice, nice. James, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show, sharing thank all you. your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so yeah, much, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. And we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.